0: You are Locked On Bills, your daily Buffalo Bills podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, Bills Mafia? It's Joe Marino from the Draft Network, and I'm your host of Locked On Bills. Happy Wednesday to you, and thank you for making Locked On Bills your first listen every day. It's time to get ready for the Bills' next opponent, Week 17. The Bills are back home to face the Atlanta Falcons. Let's break down this football team from every angle and start with the nuts and bolts of the game. Like I mentioned, Bills are at home, Week 17. Atlanta Falcons are coming to town. The game will be played on Sunday, January 2nd at 1 p.m. Eastern time at Highmark Stadium in Orchard Park, New York. The game will be broadcasted on Fox. Kevin Kugler is on the play-by-play. Former Jets quarterback Mark Sanchez is the game analyst. And Laura Oakham is the sideline reporter. The Bills and Falcons have played 12 times previously. And the Bills have a 5-7 record all time against Atlanta. But under Sean McDermott, the Bills are 1-0. They won back in 2017. A 23-17 win in Atlanta. The year after they went to the Super Bowl, behind a Jordan Matthews touchdown pass from Tyrod Taylor, Trey White had a 52-yard fumble recovery for a touchdown. Micah Hyde had two interceptions and three Stephen Hauschka fourth-quarter field goals of 24, 56, and 55 yards to win the game. I was in attendance for that game. It was a thrilling win Uh, just a few games into the Sean McDermott era against the defending NFC champions and it was awesome to win that game and this is the first time that the Bills and Falcons have played since then the Bills enter this game at nine and six the Falcons are seven and eight and very much alive in the NFC playoffs believe it or not they're the number nine seed right now at seven and eight and the sixth seed is the 49ers at eight and seven and the Eagles are the seven seed at eight and seven with the Vikings at seven and eight being the eighth seed so they're they're in it at 7-8. and eight. Their wins this year have come against the Giants, Jets, Dolphins, Saints, Jaguars, Panthers, and Lions. Their losses have been to the Eagles, Bucks, Washington football team, Panthers, Cowboys, Patriots, Buccaneers, and 49ers. And as for the weather forecast for Sunday as of 1 p.m. Eastern time on December 28th, when I record this podcast, the weather report for Sunday courtesy of weather.com, is calling for temperatures in the upper 20s, 10 to 15 mile an hour winds, cloudy skies, and a 50% chance of snow with accumulations under one inch. The head coach for the Atlanta Falcons is Arthur Smith. He's 39 years old. He's in his first season with the Falcons and as an NFL head coach. He started his NFL career as a coach back in 2007 where he was a defensive quality assistant through the 2008 season, and then he came to the Tennessee Titans in 2011 as a quality control coach, worked his way up to offensive coordinator in 2019. He held that position through the 2020 season and became the Falcons head coach starting this year. Of course, he has a career record of 7-8. and eight. He's challenged two plays so far this year. He won one of them, and the Falcons are 8th in the NFL in penalties with 83, which is 19 less penalties called against them than the Bills. The quarterback for the Atlanta Falcons is Matt Ryan, 36 years old, 6'4", 217 pounds, was the number three overall pick in the 2008 NFL draft by the Falcons out of Boston College. He immediately became the Falcons starter and has started all but three games since 2008, when he was drafted, and so this guy's durability has been phenomenal. He's the NFL's eighth all-time leading passer, has started 220 games, and he's closing in on 60,000 passing yards for his career, and he has a career passer rating of 94.3, and the Falcons are 120 and 100 with him as their starting quarterback. So far in 2021. He's completing 67.9% of his passes, 237 passing yards per game, 19 touchdowns, 11 interceptions, and a passer rating of 91.5. And so let's dig into his metrics. And as a reminder, all of the metrics I'm going to give you include all 31 NFL quarterbacks to attempt at least 270 passes so far this season. One other quick note before I get into these metrics is that Matt Ryan is not really a threat to run the football. He's one of the least athletic quarterbacks in the NFL. His average time to throw this year is 2.66 seconds. That is 13th in the NFL, so right in the middle of the pack. And as far as his splits go, when he throws the ball in under 2.5 seconds or over 2.5 seconds, it's slightly better when he gets it out in under 2.5 seconds, but it's really not that notable. His average depth of target, this is interesting to me is 7.5. That's the fifth lowest in the NFL. And for an Arthur Smith-type offense that is very much predicated on yards after catch, the Titans are not getting that. They're only averaging 4.4 yards after catch per reception this year, which is the third lowest in the NFL behind the Bills at 4.2 and the Dolphins at 4.3. And so that is definitely a missing ingredient in terms of the style of passing game that we know Arthur Smith to want to run. As far as throws down the field, not happening at all. Only 7.3% of Matt Ryan's attempts are targeted 20 yards or more down the field. That is the lowest in the NFL. And he's highly effective when he does throw the ball down the field, has a completion percentage of 48.6. That's third best in the NFL. And the best passer rating in the league at 121.7. So Matt Ryan is a good thrower down the field. And as you'll learn as we continue this discussion is that pass protection is a problem. They, they don't have the pass blocking to allow him to push the ball down the field. And that's disappointing because obviously he's very good at throwing the ball down the field. The protection is just not there. Play action, that's a fairly notable part of his game. 28.4% of his dropbacks. Our play action, that is 11th in the NFL. And with play action, his completion percentage goes up 3.6%. His passer rating goes up 27.4 points, and he gains an extra one yard per attempt. And so uh, we know play action, a big part of what Arthur Smith did in Tennessee, and it's something that obviously he wants to incorporate in Atlanta. This is another interesting one. Only 5.6% of Matt Ryan's passing attempts this year are screens. That's the second fewest in the NFL. And so they don't really throw the ball down the field at all, and they definitely don't get the screen game going at all. When it comes to pressure, Matt Ryan, for the type of quarterback that he is very much a pocket passer, he does okay under pressure. Now, of course, his numbers do go down, so let's talk about them. When he's kept clean, facing no pressure, He completes 73.4% of his passes, 7.3 yards per attempt, and a passer rating of 98.3. When he's under pressure, a completion percentage of 57.2, 6.6 yards per attempt, and a passer rating of 78.5. So his completion percentage goes down 16.2%. His passer rating drops 19.8 points, and he loses 0.7 yards per attempt. Another thing that's interesting with Matt Ryan is when he is blitzed, his completion percentage drops 10%, and his passer rating is a difference of 97.1 when he's not blitzed and down to 76.7 when he is blitzed. That's a drop of 20.4, and I think seven of his 11 interceptions this year have come when he's faced the blitz. Now, we talked about these pressure rates and the blitz and all that type of stuff, and... The Falcons are not doing a good job of protecting Matt Ryan. They allow pressure on the third highest percentage of passing attempts in the NFL. And they've given up 80 quarterback hits, which is the most by far in the NFL. Number two is the Colts with 66. And so Atlanta, 80 quarterback hits allowed, and they allow the third highest pressure rate against their quarterback so far this season. And so this is definitely the type of quarterback that you want to heat up and uh, you want to just be aware of those tendencies because I think, unlike some of the quarterbacks the Bills have faced this year, these metrics really do give you a strong indicator of how they want to attack the defense, where he's weak, and what they're trying to accomplish. And so I think there's a pretty clear formula for the Bills' defense to bottle up Matt Ryan and take advantage of an offensive line that has really, really, really struggled so far this season. It's the New year, so that means New Year's resolutions. And if yours is about getting fit or eating healthier, make sure you include Built Bar in your plan. Built Bar is the protein bar that tastes like a candy bar, maybe even better than a candy bar. And Built Bar makes it easier to stick to your resolution because it tastes so good you'll want to eat it. And you want to eat healthy, but it can just get so boring. By like week three, you might be thinking, this is just not worth it. Where's the chocolate? Well, good news, built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate, and the nutrition facts are off the charts. Most Bilt Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Even if you're not a huge fan of working out, you can at least eat something that tastes good and is good for you. That way, when you enjoy a delicious Bilt Bar, you can almost count it as a workout. And there's so many great flavors to choose from. Coconut almond, peanut butter brownie, raspberry, cookies and cream, salted caramel, mint brownie, and many more. In fact, built is always coming out with new, limited-time flavors, so check built.com often to see what is new. And of course, I got a deal for you. Go to built.com, use promo code locked15 and get 15% off your next order. Again, that's promo code locked15 for 15% off at built.com. Do you appreciate a well executed defensive strategy? Of course you do. You're a Bills fan. Just as important as your defensive line is your defensive strategy against thick guacamole. Don't settle for weak chips that can't hold the line. Grab Zach's Mighty Tortilla Chips, the 6'4". 260-pound linebacker of chips. And folks, we've all been there. You've had a great bowl of dip in front of you, whether that's artichoke dip or buffalo chicken dip or guacamole, and you're dipping your tortillas into it and they snap in half. Well, that doesn't happen with Zach's Mighty Tortilla Chips and they taste delicious. These things are perfectly seasoned and they have the perfect mixture of crunch and texture. They are phenomenal. And look, they don't break And the reason why is because every chip is trained to successfully deliver the perfect crunchy guac-filled bite, and that's because they're actually cut and fried from tortillas and grown from organic flint corn in the Buffalo, Rochester area. So pick up a bag at your local Wegmans or Whole Foods market today and say no to weak and crappy tortilla chips forever. The offensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons is Dave Ragone, 42 years old. He's in his first season as an NFL offensive coordinator. He was the quarterbacks coach with the Bears from 2016 through 2020, a quality control coach in Washington from 2015, and then the Titans wide receivers and quarterbacks coach from 2011 through 2013. Now he finds himself the offensive coordinator in Atlanta. So far in 2021, the offense is scoring 18.5 points per game. That is 25th. In the NFL, they're converting 40.2% of their third downs, which is 15th. They average 310 total yards per game, which is 25th, 86 rushing yards per game, which is 31st, and 223 passing yards per game, which is 16th. I want to start with their offensive line and then talk about their weapons, and I know that I normally do that in a different order, but the offensive line is the story here because there's some decent pieces here, but they're just not playing well together. Their left tackle is Jake Matthews, and he's been entrenched as their left tackle for a number of years, and he's a good player. Um, He's paid well, and he's solid. Their left guard is Jalen Mayfield, a rookie out of Michigan, and he has struggled a lot this year. He's had some good moments, but for the most part, he's really been worked in pass protection in particular. Their center is Matt Hennessy, who has been groomed to be their starting center, uh, replacing Alex Mack, who left in free agency, and he's had an okay season. Their right guard is Chris Lindstrom, who is a former first-round pick, and I think he's a good guard. And their right tackle is Caleb McGarry, another former first-round pick who has really struggled to find himself so far in the NFL. And so you've got three first-round picks by the Falcons on this unit in Matthews, Lindstrom, and McGarry, and you have two recent day two picks in Mayfield and Hennessy on the interior But like I said, this unit is just not playing well together. They're giving up a ton of pressure like we talked about in the first segment. Matt Ryan is among the highest pressured quarterbacks in the NFL. He's hit the most of any quarterback in the NFL. And um, they're not run blocking well either. In fact, the Falcons have the second lowest yards before contact in the run game so far this year at two yards, which is just ahead of the Texans and just below the Dolphins. And so whether it's run blocking or pass blocking, this unit has had issues, and the, the main offenders of their problems are left guard Jalen Mayfield and right tackle Caleb McGarry. And so if you're Ed Oliver, if you're Greg Rousseau, should be a great opportunity to make some plays this week. Now, their running backs, Mike Davis and Cordero Patterson. Mike Davis, a veteran journeyman that is... A really physical runner, but he's never been able to really sustain production. And then Cordero Patterson has been a really fun story this year. I know a lot of people on Twitter would love for the Bills to go after Cordero Patterson after the season. He's a Swiss Army knife type player. He's a a running back. They'll put him in the slot. They'll hand it to him. They'll throw it to him. And he's kind of an X factor that's really dangerous with the football in his hands. And they throw the ball to both of these running backs a ton. Between Davis and Patterson, they have 110 combined targets and 89 catches. And so you have to account for these guys out of the backfield as receiving threats. At tight end, they have Kyle Pitts, who was a top five pick in the recent draft. And, you know, he's an alien. He's tall. He's long. He's unbelievably explosive. And he's having a good season. He's only 50 yards away from topping 1,000 yards on the season, which is. Very, very rare territory for a rookie tight end. You may argue that this is more of a slot receiver, kind of interchangeable type player, but nonetheless, he's big, explosive, and a real X factor. He's a guy that can really be a mismatch. Now, he disappears at times. I'm not sure if that's his fault or Matt Ryan's fault or whatnot or the offensive line's fault, but he has some really monster games, and he has other games where he's just not a factor at all. But all in all, he's been very productive, and he's a type of guy that presents a lot of challenges just because of his physical skill. And they also have Hayden Hurst at tight end, and they don't really get him going too much, but he's certainly a capable player that's you know made some big plays against the Bills in the past when he was part of the Baltimore Ravens. At wide receiver, this is a very undermanned situation. Uh, they don't have Calvin Ridley. He is out uh, for personal reasons. Uh, he's working on some mental health stuff, and he's not been part of the team very much this year, and that's left Russell Gage and Alamade Zacchaeus as their top two receivers. Gage has had some flashy moments, but I don't think in most offenses this is a top three option. And then Alamade Zacchaeus is a really fun player that I enjoyed covering at Virginia, but he's more of a fourth or fifth receiver. And so I'm surprised that this is a team that's able to really get much going in the passing game given their wide receiver situation, but I think that really comes back to what they're getting from Kyle Pitts and the running backs out of the backfield, and of course Cordero Patterson uh, and Russell Gage has been okay, but this is not the type of number one receiver that any team in the NFL would want to funnel their passing game through. They also have Christian Bulky and Marvin Hall as potential options at wide receiver. And so the pecking order for targets within this passing game, Kyle Pitts is number one with 98 Russell Gage is number two with 75, Cordero Patterson, number three at 60, Mike Davis, number four at 50, and Alameda Zacchaeus at 45. He has the fifth most targets. So what are my keys for the Bills' defense against this offense is number one, light up Matt Ryan. This guy gets pressured a ton. This offensive line has struggled to play together. Go after this guy, light him up, send the blitz, and win one-on-one battles up front. Number two is play up on these receivers. These are the types of receivers that you shouldn't be overly concerned with making big plays down the field against you. And so this is an opportunity to get Dane Jackson and Levi Wallace on the line of scrimmage and play some press coverage and be aggressive and really allow your front seven to be aggressive coming downhill and 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 stressing this offensive line that has struggled this year and Obviously, we talked about the splits at the beginning. Matt Ryan has not had the same level of success when he's blitzed compared to when he's not blitzed. And so to me, this is a type of game where you want to be aggressive at the line of scrimmage, both with the receivers and with what you do to this offensive line. Number three is be ready for Kyle Pitts. He's an X-factor. He's a tough assignment. He's big, strong, fast. I mean, he's tough to deal with. And so That's the guy that you really want to focus in on. That's the guy that can be the game changer for this offense. And then number four is don't lose track of Cordero Patterson, who is a complete X factor in his own right and very dangerous with the ball in his hands. And so you want to really focus in on taking away Pitts and Patterson, and I think you can live with any production that they get from the other options within this offense. The defensive coordinator for the Atlanta Falcons is Dean Pease. 72 years old in his first season in Atlanta, 13th season overall as an NFL defensive coordinator, had a really good run with the Patriots, Ravens, and Titans, and he's had a very good career, has had a top 12 scoring defense in 11 of 12 full seasons as an NFL defensive coordinator, and he's really coordinated and coached a lot of great defenses in his time, and he actually retired for the 2020 season, and then Arthur Smith lured him out of retirement to take this job. So far in 2021, it is not going well. They're giving up 26.7 points per game, which is 28th in the NFL. They have 16 sacks. That's 32 dead last. They're allowing 365 yards per game, which is 24th. They are allowing 121 rushing yards per game, which is 31st, and 244 passing yards per game, which is 23rd. Let's talk about this personnel, and it is an undermanned unit. They have a couple of good players, but for the most part, they don't have the talent necessary to really be a top-tier defense or even an average defense. So on the interior defensive line, they're going to do a lot of odd fronts, a lot of three-down linemen. And so across that, you'll see Grady Jarrett, who is their best player in the front seven. Um, I think he's one of the better defensive linemen in the NFL. I think he's completely miscast in this defense. He's a three-technique all day long. They're playing him at the five quite a bit, and that's not an ideal place for him to play. And he's still making an impact, but not, not where he normally is at in terms of production and really affecting football games. Taquan Graham is their big-bodied, nose-tackle-type player. Um, more of a backup-type player, but he gets a lot of run for this defense. Jonathan Bullard is another five technique for this team. Again, I think he's more of a three tech and they're playing him at five. And then Anthony Rush and Mike Pennell, they're playing a bit on the interior. On the edge, it's Stephen Means, Dante Fowler, and Ade Ogundeji. Fowler's a highly paid player. He's been a flashy player throughout his career. Um, Has not really settled in with this defense and made the type of impact he's being paid to make. Ogundeji's a young Athletic player, but he's got a lot to learn. He's extremely raw. And then Steven Means, um, he's been a flashy player throughout his career, but has never really had consistently sustained production at any point. Their linebackers, Deion Jones, who has been a good linebacker in the NFL. He is struggling mightily this year, and I think that has a lot to do with the players in front of him. Uh, And then his running mate on the second level is Foye Alakoum, A flashy player. He's got some traits, but he's never really found consistency at any point in his NFL career. At cornerback, they got a good one there in A.J. Terrell. First-round pick a few years ago. He has been awesome this year. A Pro Bowl snub in my mind. Uh, Opposing quarterbacks have a rating of 53.3 when targeting his coverage. He's been outstanding, and he's, he's a good player. I studied him at Clemson, obviously. Great feet, great hips. He's really athletic. He can turn and run with anybody. And so that should be a really fun matchup because I'm sure they're going to put him on Stephon Diggs and you got obviously one of the best receivers in the NFL in Diggs and a budding superstar, a young player in Terrell. So it should be a fun matchup. Opposite of him is Fabian Moreau. He's having a bad year, a passer rating of 112.5 against his coverage. He's a guy that I was never overly fond of coming out of UCLA. He has bounced around. He's athletic, but I don't know that he's a very instinctive corner And then in the slot, they've been playing Richie Grant, uh, who's a rookie. He's more of a safety in my mind. They're playing him down in the slot, and he has a passer rating of 141.3 against his coverage allowed this season. So he has struggled. Their safety's underwhelming. Jalen Hawkins is one of their guys. Daron Harmon is is the other starting safety. Harmon's been a Belichickian disciple-type safety for a number of years. And then Hawkins is kind of a smaller safety that – has some physicality playing downhill, but I wouldn't trust him with much real estate. So just an undermanned unit. They don't have, they don't have the talent on defense right now to, to be at least an average defense, and I'll give you some numbers here that I think further tell the story of how much this unit has struggled. They have the lowest pressure rate in the NFL, 16.3%. They have the fewest sacks in the NFL and the fewest percentage of dropbacks that generate a sack, only 2.9% of passes they face result in a sack, and the next lowest is Philadelphia at four and a half. I mean, that's pretty notable. Opposing quarterbacks have a passer rating of 100.3 against this team, and they haven't really played a good slate of quarterbacks. I mean, they played some really bad quarterbacks, and they've combined to have a rating of 100.3. Here's another one. They can't stop teams on third downs. Offenses have converted 47.6% of third downs against this team. And they're only one of three teams in the NFL to allow a third down conversion percentage against them above 45%. And so the numbers tell the story here. The personnel tells the story here. And I try to give it to you honest whenever I talk about the Bills' upcoming opponents. But I have high expectations for the Bills' offense at home against this defense. So what are my keys for the Bills' offense against this defense? Number one is throw the ball all over the yard. They can't generate pressure. They can't stop the pass. Number two, stay away from A.J. Terrell. And that doesn't mean you don't throw the ball to Stefan Diggs. But the spirit of what I'm trying to communicate is that you're at home. You're a two-touchdown favorite. You're a much more established football team with a way better roster. Stay away from the things that could give them a spark and give them confidence in a game where you should overmatch them. And so just be mindful of A.J. Terrell as their difference maker in the secondary. Number three is account for Grady Jarrett. Again, I think he's a bad scheme fit, but he's a good football player. And I think that he's the type of guy that can create some problems. And not that there's a whole lot of guys on this defense and this defensive line that can create a lot of problems. But if there is one, it's him. And so have a plan for him. Number four is be aware of the speed that they have at linebacker. Deion Jones and Alakoum, they're not having great years, but they can run fast, and so just be mindful of that second-level speed. And then number five, identify the offensive line that you want to move forward with this year and get them going. And to me, that is Dawkins and Ryan Bates and Mitch Morse, Darrell Williams and Spencer Brown. Get these guys going. Get them some time on task and some game experience, and... um It's a type of game where you can really build some confidence potentially and uh, build some chemistry within that unit. As far as special teams goes, they have a couple of good return guys in Avery Williams and Cordero Patterson. Uh, Williams is the punt returner. Patterson is the kick returner. Both are very potent guys, and I wouldn't give them chances. Don't give this team unnecessary sparks by allowing one of these really talented return guys to make a big play against you. At kicker, they have young Hui Koo, who is among the best kickers in the NFL. He's been in Atlanta for three seasons, and he's made 92.2% of his kicks over that time, including 12 of 13 beyond 50 yards, and so they got a good kicker there. And then their punter, they've been through three different punters this year. In fact, four if you include Koo, who has had to punt a couple times for them. But it looks like it'll be Thomas Morstead, who was a longtime kicker, punter with the Saints, and he's had a really good career. And so I think they have an above-average punter. They just have had to go through so many different guys this season. So there you have it. That's the Atlanta Falcons. That's what the Bills are facing this week at home. That dome team from down in Atlanta, they're coming up to Orchard Park, and it's going to be chilly, upper 20s, a little bit of wind, maybe some snow. This is the type of game where you should really be able to take advantage of that. I live in Charlotte, North Carolina, not too far from Atlanta. It's been in the 70s. It's warm. I'm in flip-flops and shorts. It's going to be a little different for them when they come up to Orchard Park. And so I have high expectations for the Bills to perform well in this football game at home, coming off of a really good performance against New England, coming off of arguably their best 10 quarters consecutively of football this season. In a scenario where if you win out, you win the AFC East, you get to host a playoff game, at least one. Got to show up and take care of your business. Tomorrow on the podcast, we will talk to Aaron Freeman of Lockdown Falcons as part of our crossover preview and gain even more perspective on the Atlanta Falcons and his expectations for Sunday. So don't miss it. Make sure you're subscribed. Would love it if you took a second to rate, review, and share the podcast. Have a great rest of your day, and I look forward to catching up with you again tomorrow.